When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you believe that there is more to life than what you see right now and you want to find out more, listen in as her guests share their journey and their extraordinary experiences. Now, here is your host, Rhonda Grant. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show. Sometimes the universe has a way of placing people or obstacles in your path to help guide and direct you on your mission. Listen in as we discover the path my guest has traveled. Has she been inspired by a calling, crafted her journey, or a bit of both? I invite you to embrace the conversation and to use it to help you to recognize if this is happening in your life. Our guest today is Annie Burke, who is a cosmic heart intuitive. Annie is an international best-selling author, international animal communicator, and animal medium, podcast host, speaker, healer, and animal mom. Her mission is to raise global awareness of the importance of animals and for people to know that animals have souls. They understand everything that we say and are in our lives for a reason. She loves having conversations with animals and providing answers and peace of mind for their human parents. She is now helping animal parents to master telepathic animal communication in her animal communication mentorship program so that they can talk with their animals and deepen their relationships. Annie is also intrigued with our spiritual awakening and developmental journeys and has studied several healing modalities to support the well-being of animals and humans. She loves helping people discover more about their spiritual development journey and the soul connections with their animals. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show, Annie. Thank you. It's lovely to be back. (laughs) Yeah, it's so nice to have you back on the show because our last conversation, we certainly didn't cover all the things that we wanted to cover. And so here we are back again. And I'd like you to talk about some of the places that you visited and how those places affected your journey. Okay. Um, I've done lots of traveling. Uh, it's something that I really love because I'm just fascinated with different cultures. I'm fascinated with the scenery and I'm fascinated with the different animal species in the countries that I go to. So it's a combination of all of those things that sort of pull me in different directions. Mm -hmm. Uh, From a spiritual perspective with soul growth, I would say that visiting Egypt is probably one of the most amazing places I've been to. Mm -hmm. The first time I went, I knew I wanted to go, like I felt 
a strong affinity. I've always loved things about ancient Egypt and done a lot of reading about it. But the first trip I did was really like a tourist trip with, you know, going and seeing all the sites and um, going to some of the tombs and seeing the hieroglyphs, seeing the pyramids. Uh, But when I went back a second time, I deliberately picked a spiritual tour and that was in 2012 and it was a really interesting process because I'd looked at a lady who was taking a tour in 2011 and she was going to be there for the 11-11-11 gateway and that really resonated with me. But then I had the opportunity to do my Reiki master coursework and get attuned on the 11th of the 11th of the 11th. So I decided I'd do the Reiki and I'd leave Egypt for another time. And then in 2012, in very early December, I got a message one morning, must have been like two o'clock in the morning, uh, saying, you have to go to Egypt. And I thought, hmm, okay. Uh, And I'd seen that this lady was taking another tour to be there for the 12-12-12 gateway. So this was early Sunday morning I got the message. So Monday uh, I had... Um, commitments all day but I messaged the lady that night and said look I'm interested in joining if there's still a vacancy can you let me know and she was actually already in Egypt so she had to check that there were vacancies for the cruise and other different things and she got back to me and said yes Um, but I had to fly that Friday and she very kindly told me that two other guests on the tour would be flying through Dubai and then flying to Cairo. So if there was any possibility that I could get to Dubai and book on the same flight as the other two, it would mean I'd be arriving with two other people. So I had four days to sort out work and say I need to go on urgent holidays and I'm handing over in two days and then I had uh, two days to... Uh, go and get vaccinations and get my cap sorted into a cattery and get appropriate long-sleeved clothing to wear in the mosques and other places we were going. Mm-hmm. And everything was packed up about 10 minutes before I had to leave for the airport. So everything just flowed. It was really interesting. Like um, I didn't have to send my passport away for a visa. You just get it stamped at the airport. You can get yeah. cash changed at the airport. There was a vacancy at the travel doctors for me to go and get the necessary vaccinations I needed. So it all just worked. And then one of the things I had to face, they actually had civil unrest at the time Mm. and they were showing that there was um, a lot of unpleasant activity happening and my travel agent said, are you sure you want to go? (laughs) And my mum said, are you sure you want to go? Yeah. And I went to work on one of those last two days and a vehicle lost control um, coming out of some property and ran into a car at the traffic lights And if I'd been a couple of seconds later, it would have been me. And I thought, here's the universe telling me that I just have to overcome my fear and that things happen for a reason. And I found out afterwards that the priests and priestesses in ancient Egypt had to go through initiation processes where they had to overcome fear as well. So this was all part of preparing me for what I was going to have to do. Like I had no idea why I had to go. I just knew I had to go. 
So it was just, you know, faith that I was being led there for a reason. And where we actually stayed was in a guest house right opposite the Sphinx and the Pyramids. So we looked straight out at them. It was absolutely wonderful. Saw the lights um, lighting up the pyramids at night for the sound and light shows. And the next morning we went into the pyramids, um, 6 o'clock in the morning, so it's pitch dark outside and there's yes. lights inside and I'd never been inside before and it was just amazing that um, the memories and flashbacks I was getting from being in there. So that was part of why I had to be in there and do some special mm-hmm. processes. But then we went and did a meditation next to the Sphinx. We couldn't actually go right in next to it, which I would have liked to have done, but we were right next to it, so I still had an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. And in the meditation, it was explained to me why I was there and what I'd come to do. And then each of the temples we went to, I was told something that I had to do as part of my spiritual journey. So it was all like completing an initiation process that I mustn't have completed in a previous lifetime so that was just fascinating finding out what I needed to do for these different steps culminating in a ceremony at uh, Luxor Temple at Mm -hmm. night which was just amazing and so that really changed my energy going through that whole process um, and getting lots of flashbacks about past lives so really understanding past versions of me um, and seeing the similarities and differences with the various versions of me that have happened since. So Mm -hmm. that whole experience, just having to trust in what I was being told and the messages that I was receiving and the visions that I was having, um, all very unexpected. I just had no idea why I was going. I just knew Mm -hmm. that I was and that everything had unfolded perfectly so that I could go. So I knew it was meant to happen. Um, And it was just, again, pre-planned that one of the people that I met in Dubai had actually had a past life with me. We'd been connected Wow. And so it was it was partly her purpose to be there to help me with all the processes that I had to do. We'd never met before, um, mm-hmm. but we recognised on a soul level that there was a really powerful connection there. Mm-hmm. So uh, and that just opened my eyes to so much. Well, yeah, and there is a huge energy vortex around the pyramids, is there not? Look, I think when I went the second time, I hadn't really, I probably wasn't as really conscious of the energies and vortices. I've I've gone to different places since, like Glastonbury and Uh uh, Machu Picchu uh, and Sedona. Yes. Um, and been very conscious of of feeling the energies and what they were doing to me there. Egypt to me is more about remembering um, okay. Those past lives and and getting the activations and and seeing um, processes and things that the priests and priestesses were doing. Um, we went up in um, one of the temples. There's a priest's walk. Yes, Hathor Temple at Dendera, mm-hmm. and in as you go up the priest's walk, all the walls have got beautiful. Um, engravings on them Mm -hmm. and the steps are really worn so you just know that so many priests and priestesses have walked up there before so again that was a really powerful 
um, experience to do that. And as it happened, this lady who'd been with me in the past life, who'd been a high priest, she went ahead of me and I said to her afterwards that felt quite right that she was going up first and I was behind her um, and just sort of reenacting what we were just so familiar with from times past. So, uh, yeah, I just didn't know enough about past lives. I wasn't spiritually awake the first time I went to Egypt, but I just had an innate okay. knowing that yes. I was attracted by the history and um, the hieroglyphs and all the stories. Oh, yes. But going back the second time, I, that was a much, for me, a much more powerful experience. But I was also really surprised and pleased how well they've done with preserving the hieroglyphs because I regretted first time around that I hadn't taken yes. enough photos. So second time around, I made sure I took hundreds of photos and a lot of the temples, some of them have got very low lighting, but I took a camera that's really good with low lighting. And like the images, like, you know, you know they've been there for thousands of years and mm -hmm. they just look remarkable that the, you know, the, the way they've kept their colour Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just incredible the, the wisdom that they're sharing through the pictures. Yes. How did it make you feel in your body, your energy level in your body when you were there? It was interesting because after the final uh, process that I had to do, even the people on the tour could see how much I'd changed, felt like it had really lit me up on an energetic level, that it was just... Um, I think probably encompassing for more of my feminine energy. Yes. Um, my healing energy. I think that was really essential in activating some of those gifts as well. Um, and just, I think, recognition of what part of what I'm doing in this lifetime and sort of the repetition of, you know, doing similar work in past lives as well, but not having been as consciously aware of it. Mm -hmm. Did you do any writing when you were there uh, to record uh, these types of things or was it I think it's, it's imprinted in my memory into your soul? Yeah, and it's interesting because I've had a few people saying to me, I really should share those stories of, of what happened and what mm -hmm. I experienced um, because that is just part of, you know, revealing the, the real version of me um, mm -hmm. and honouring the past versions of me as well. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people are really interested in past lives and they want to know how they can connect to their past lives to see how they've evolved. And lots of times people want to know if they were married to the same person or if, uh, because what I heard, and, and you can probably speak better to this than I, is that we come back in the same sort of group. We sort of meet the same people in our journeys. And let's say, you know, my daughter might have been my mother in one life. My son might have been my teacher. And we just take on various roles because, you know, in a lifetime, you come across many, many people. And there's sometimes you meet a person that you just say, I really connect with that person and I really connected with you when we uh, first met. And I think that these people are put in our path were to help each other on our journey or remind each other of our journey, whatever it may be. Can you speak to that? Yes, certainly. Um, and I think you're spot on with those 
your understanding of that and that's the same as me. I understand that we have a soul group, mm-hmm. that we have multiple incarnations with and, yes, your husband may have been your child in a previous incarnation. There are these soul links there mm-hmm. and, yes, we have made contracts and agreements to come and help each other oh. with mastering different soul lessons or learning different things. But I've also been finding out with my work with animals mm-hmm. that they similarly have arrangements. So some of them have been in our past as well um, and so one of my cats actually showed me working in the great pyramid with me like thousands of years ago he was a cat I was a priestess but mm-hmm. our souls have known each other for thousands of years and he's had some human lifetimes with me and he's had some cat lifetimes with me um, and yeah there's more work being done to unravel these soul connections that we have um, but there is something that we recognize about people and the same with this lady who'd been a high priest when I hugged her for the first time, and I love hugging because of the exchange of energy and the healing that you oh, get from yes. it. Oh, yes. I just felt as though the fibres in my heart were lining up with the fibres in her heart. Ah. It's the only way I can describe it. It was a really strange sensation, not scary, wow. but very yeah. beautiful as though on a deep soul level we were reconnecting. Mm-hmm. And that was just really beautiful. We've kept in contact since, and I've seen her a couple of times when I've travelled overseas since. So, um, and I think when you meet people that have you have had soul relationships with before, you really recognise that energetic pull to them. As you said, you know, you feel as though you know them, and you don't know why in this lifetime. Yeah, you definitely, you know, have that recognition about them, mm-hmm. um, and and I've had that happen in different places around the world and you think, you know, why do I feel as though I know this person, I've never been to this country before, why is there such a strong connection and you feel as though you've known them forever. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's what I understand, that it it will be someone that we've had a soul connection with in a previous life. Yes. And I Um, think past lives are fascinating with finding out, you know, what we've done as a life purpose, like, you know, healers tend to have past lives where they've done the healing work. Um, I'm intrigued with crystal therapy and healing with crystals, so I've been intrigued when I've done past life regressions to see what tools I was using to help with the healing in case there's something that I can copy and bring back into my work now. So that's intrigued me as well. Yes, and I remember, and you'll probably recollect this when we had our after-show talk last time, is that when you were speaking about animals and connecting with animals in our last episode, I had written down the word Egypt. had nothing to do with the conversation that we were having, but I shared that with you after the call. And that's why we're talking today, is because... I had an intuitive hit while we were discussing. And so I find that those things, I mean, you're in Australia, I'm in Canada, and energy travels that quickly. And I am just astounded by the human ability to know. Aren't you? I've been going buzzy while you've been talking, so I've learned now that's my clear sentience and just confirmation um, yes. that we're speaking the truth and that we do have this connection. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've met 
a number of people that we feel as though it's in Egypt that we've had past life connections. And I know that I've had several different lifetimes there. So I've obviously met lots of different people um, in those journeys. And it's just funny how the universe brings them across your path again to reconnect. And, you know, whether you're, you know, it's a short term thing, helping each other remember or supporting each other in the background or, or what it is, it's, 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 it's fascinating finding out why someone crosses your path mm-hmm. that you recognise. It, it it happens for a reason. There is no coincidence. There's um, no coincidence, yeah. And yeah. so when you said you're going buzzy, for me, I feel like when we connected there at that level, when I was talking about that, is that I feel like my cells are chattering to each other. Yes, yes. Like this is a very strong connection. And I, and, and, you know, it just amazes me unbelievably. You talked about also uh, spending some time in Sedona. What was that like compared to Egypt? If you want to compare it, maybe it's completely different, but I'd like you to speak about that. Yeah, and it's interesting because the lady who led that tour was the lady who led the second tour I went to in Egypt. And the other lady who was on the trip as a passenger had also been on the tour in Egypt. So the three of us already knew each other from our trip in Egypt, um, which just made it lovely um, to have the tour in Sedona. They'd been to Mount Shasta first, but I didn't join them for that bit, so I just met them in Sedona. I'd never been to Sedona before, but I'd heard about all these energetic vortices that are around uh, and really beautiful um, scenery where some of these energy places are. So we spent we stayed in a, a house that had beautiful hummingbirds coming to visit us and we were feeding them. Um, so really lovely energy. And then we just travelled around every day and went to all these different sites and just did activations and felt the energies um, and just the scenery was just amazing. And then just sort of, you know, having the buzzy sensations and feeling the energy coming into your body when you're standing in these very potent places One of the places we went to, our tour guide led us over to the left, but I was feeling a really strong pull to go over to the right. So we went and did our activations on the left and then she respected what I was feeling and we went over to the right and there was a great big tall stone um, set in the ground mm-hmm. and I just felt that we had to touch this stone so we all put our hands on the stone and did oh. some more activations then I could feel it vibrating and like it's a great big stone it's not a little tiny thing like it's up like waist height and yes. the whole thing I could feel my hands going up and down as so this stone was going to lift up out of the ground levitating it was just so powerful um, wow. so there was obviously another really strong point there and again whether that was me tuning into frequencies like I'm interested in in the ley lines and the energies and Mm -hmm. whether that was doing something to help reactivate some areas that had been dormant for a while it's something I want to explore more um, and using crystals to help the energy of mother earth as well Um, so that was just an amazing experience Mm-hmm. with, with well, that stone but yeah, yeah everywhere we went it was just and I know you've said that you were interested in in going there too mm-hmm. um and yeah I just I had no idea what I was going to expect um with feeling the energies there and we had the opportunity to connect to some local people so we went and did some medicine wheel 
work yes. and walked in some labyrinths and did some very special meditations in some absolutely beautiful sites. So it was just being open to whatever opportunities arose. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd particularly picked somewhere to stay for my first night that was right next to a crystal shop that I'd Googled. Um, awesome. So I arrived jet lagged, no sleep, <laughs> straight into the crystal shop to see <laughs> what was calling me right. um, and then went back the next morning to see what I'd missed feeling the energy of and bought some absolutely beautiful pieces. Um, uh, and so I took some of them with me then to the places we went to so I could get mm-hmm. the energy and the crystals too and bring that home with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And it sounds strange to people who haven't experienced it before, but it's um, because I've done a lot of work with crystals in past lives and now in this one as well, I just really feel the energies of them and love using them for healing support for humans and for animals. Animals in particular are very sensitive to frequency, so they totally understand the crystals. My cats love it when I make the grids to help support people and animals and they go in and lie on them and move the crystals around and adjust the frequency so that they're actually activating at a higher level. Like they've taught me so much about healing with crystals because they're gifted healers. You know, some of them have been humans in past lives and done healing. So Mm -hmm. um, they can pass that information on as well. Mm -hmm. You know, when you talked about the, uh, the large stone that you came across and feeling the energies, you know, A person really has to be anchored in themselves because if you're not to someone else, they would run for the hills. I mean, that would terrify them that um, they were receiving that much energy from an inanimate object, right? And so you must be really anchored in your power. And I'm just amazed by that. Just, I think it's I, just being because I'm curious. Like mm-hmm. when I had my spiritual awakening, I had no idea that's what was happening. I'd never heard anything about a spiritual awakening, None. and my clairvoyant gift switched on. And I thought, mm-hmm. what is this? And what am I supposed to be doing with it? And it I've just can been be on really this huge, scary. I've just been on this huge learning journey since because mm-hmm. I'm just so intrigued and with different ways of healing. But yes, talking about the energy, I didn't tell you when we were in. Um, we went to Abydos in Egypt and I hadn't been there on my first trip and we went mm-hmm. to the Seti um, temple and my friend, the high priest, said that we had to go and stand in the Isis temple. Mm-hmm. So we went and stood there and she'd got a message that we had to stand on some particular stones on the floor and I had to stand on this triangular stone. Mm-hmm. And when I stood on it, it felt as though there was this whole... Um, powerful bliss energy coming up through the floor into my body. I've never felt anything like it. And the energy was just so powerful. It was actually pushing me backwards and forwards and side to side oh. while I was standing on it. Yeah. But I was just overflowing with bliss. Like the sensation was just so joyful, so happy, just standing on this stone in the middle of a temple. So there was some kind of energy vortex or something underneath. Mm-hmm. So I stepped off the stone, got back on again, and the same <clears> thing <throat> happened. So I absorbed all of that energy and then I got off and I did it for a third time and the same thing happened. I got off, I got on again, nothing. So I'd got all the energy 
that I needed from right. those three episodes. But, yeah, again, just, you know, my friend got the message, this is what we have to do. Yes. <laughs> so just going with the flow and being guided by your your soul and the messages that you receive, that's just, yeah, it just changed a lot of things for me. Yes. And when you were in Sedona, did it ignite your creativity? Did you do any writing while you were there? Um, look, I was getting a lot of visions, which our guide was helping to explain, like I was seeing mm-hmm. clairvoyant visions and not sure what I was seeing and why I was seeing it. So she explained that. I probably have written down some of the things because some of the places we went and I took the crystals with me and they were absorbing the energy as well. Um, and that was just you know, standing there with a crystal on your head in mm-hmm. the middle of a park just looks really weird. Um, but, you know, I was told, you know, I have the crystal on your head and, you know, whether that was helping transmit energy in, I don't know, but oh, that's yeah. just what I was told to do. Oh. So I just went, you know, just followed mm-hmm. what I was being told to do. Yes. Well, that's um, your crown chakra, right? Yep. And that's mm-hmm. where you are open to those energies is from is your crown chakra. That's where you receive yeah, the energy to the spiritual realm and the higher realms. Yeah. 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 Excuse me. Um, one of the things I found absolutely fascinating, though, um, with going to Peru yes. and looking at the temple structures in Peru, mm-hmm. very similar architecture to Egypt. Yes. The way the stones are, are, are moved together and, like, you can't fit a credit card in between the stones, like the technology of how yes. they moved the stones. One of the stones I'm standing in front of in a photo is 120 tonnes. Like, it's just massive. Um, so, again, very fascinating that, the you know, whether people travelled from Egypt to Peru and, you know, they're, they're building abilities um whether that information got passed on but it's it's very interesting that it is so similar mm-hmm. and then what intrigued me in peru was in some of the buildings they've got like um the windows are funny kind of trapezoid shapes they're not rectangles mm-hmm. and they worked out that having that kind of triangular shape was better if they had earthquakes they could withstand oh, the pressure okay. of earthquakes so they understood when they were building, that they were building for certain conditions. So some of these civilizations before us have been incredibly advanced with their mathematics, their sacred geometry, yeah. their agriculture, their architecture. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, wisdom that we've missed out on in this lifetime that I think is starting to be revealed now um, mm-hmm. and some of that is in crystals and when people hold crystals um, if there's someone that can decode the information then they know what people have coded in them like thousands of years ago oh. like their keys of wisdom and they've been buried for a long time and then at the right time they're found and the right mm-hmm. people can hold them. Again, I've had a phenomenal experience with a crystal I took to South Africa mm-hmm. and I gave it to one of the ladies to hold and her whole body just started vibrating oh. and she said, I programmed this crystal. And she suddenly had a memory that she'd done that like years ago. That like she in actually a previous lifetime? In yes. Mm. And holding it just reactivated that memory for her. There are so, so many. I find crystals mysteries. are very powerful to help people 
mm-hmm. remember their pasts as well. Mm-hmm. There's so many mysteries, or as we see, mysteries in life, that it's it's incredible. You're listening to the Rhonda Grant Show right now, whose podcast is being treated with digital audio health by my sponsor, Cymatrax. And today, I am speaking with Annie Burke, who's just a fountain of knowledge when it comes to energy. Annie, let people know how they may reach out to you. Thank you. Uh, yes, they can reach me through my website, which is www.cosmicheartintuitive.com.au or they can reach me on Facebook as Annie Burke, B-O-U-R-K-E, and also on LinkedIn. Uh, my email is chintuitive at bigpond.com. And so I'm happy to have conversations with people, um, particularly about their animals, um, yes. answering questions because I'm an animal communicator and animal medium. But I'm also now mentoring animal parents so that they can actually master telepathic communication themselves and learn how to talk with their own animals, um, which has been an absolutely amazing journey for their animals and them. Um, Mm-hmm. working out how to talk to each other. Um, also written two books, and I'm currently writing my third book because the animals have taught me so much since I wrote my first book uh, yes. that I want to keep sharing their wisdom with the world. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. What extraordinary discovery have you found in your life or have you already revealed it to us? I think from my conversations with animals, the most incredible thing they've taught me is about animal soul reincarnation. And I had no idea that this was a reality until one of my cats let me experience it. And that's actually what I'm writing about in my third book because I've had so many experiences now with other people's animals knowing that an aspect of their soul can reincarnate and come Mm -hmm. back to us. And unfortunately, it's not every animal's destiny to come back, but Mm -hmm. many of them do. And some of them have multiple lifetimes with us in this lifetime or in past lives. So one of my clients at the moment, her dog has had three lifetimes with her in this lifetime as a dog, and he's about to come back for his fourth lifetime as a dog. Wow. Uh, And there's a lovely movie called A Dog's Purpose, and some of your listeners may have seen that. And that's the reality of what I experience with my conversations with animals. And it's so interesting because when they do come back, sometimes they look very similar. Sometimes they're a completely different breed. Um, Often they swap gender. And I've had a cat that's come back as a dog. I've um, spoken to someone whose dog has come back as a cow. So they don't necessarily come back as a different, you know, breed in the same species that they were. It's quite fascinating. And so some of the stories I'm going to be sharing are my clients' stories about the messages that their animals have given them and how they've been able to track them down and find them. And then it seems to be within two days they've totally integrated back into the home again. Mm -hmm. So they've just been away on a temporary holiday. They've had a full body makeover because some of them do look different. But they know the other people in the house. They know the other animals in the house. They know where their food bowls are. And they just sort of settle back in like you know what's all the fuss about I'm home um and it's again it's fascinating 
it's fascinating to watch because the dynamics of the animal family change. So it may have been the older animal who's passed away mm-hmm. and they may have found a young body to reincarnate in. So they're now the youngest in the family, but some of them act as though they're still the boss, thank you very much, and they're not <laughs> going to take any rubbish from anybody. We um, act like they own the joint, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, and they've taught me a lot about um the different ways that they can come back. So the soul who's coming back doesn't need to go into the animal when it's conceived. They can swap in at any age. Mm-hmm. So some of them will swap into an animal that might be three years old. And so the soul who's been living in that animal will obligingly swap out and go back to heaven so that this animal soul can come into that body and get back to their human family. Okay. And so I've just now had a succession of stories where the animals have told us, you know, what kind of body they're going to look like, if they're going to be at a rescue organisation, where to start looking to find them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the family send me photos of who they've found and then I can connect with them and see is this the body that that soul is going to move into or have they already moved in and then I can confirm that, yes, that's their animal. And then they can adopt them and bring them home and then you've got another lifetime with them in a different body Um, but there'll be a lot of familiar behaviors or the way they look at you the way they interact Um, people just know on a soul level it's their animal who's back again yes do you feel that you've been called to what you're doing Annie Uh, I think for a long time I've known that my passion is animals and I just wasn't sure what I was supposed to be doing for my life purpose linked Mm -hmm. to that passion Um, but definitely you know the animal communication to start with has drawn me into that field but now actually mentoring the telepathic communication is even more important I think that people learn how to connect with their own animals and understand them and that's part of my broader life mission um, Mm -hmm. to make a difference on a global level to raise consciousness about the importance of animals because I want people to know that animals have souls because, unfortunately, not every country has legislated that they're sentient beings yet. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I want people to understand they feel emotions just like we do, Mm -hmm. that they're highly intelligent and intuitive and doing the communication course has just emphasised the extent of their intelligence and their vocabularies. So one of... My cats is working with one of my clients at the moment to help with some of the exercises they're doing. And we did an exercise where my client had to send my cat a word and then ask my cat to say what word they'd received. And my client sent the word transform. And when they asked my cat what word did she receive, she sent back transmogrify. Now, I've never used transmogrify in a conversation, to my knowledge, (laughs) and I've never said it in front of my cat, but she knew the word. And when we looked it up, it means to transform in a surprising or magical manner. So Mm -hmm. she was showing that she totally understood she'd received the word transform, but she was upping the ante (laughs) with telling us the same word that means the same thing, um, but a slightly different word. So again, I had no idea that she knew that word. Um, So it's a revelation finding out what they know. And I get a lot of people saying, oh, you know, they're a dog. They know stop and walk and that's it. But no, they're just so intelligent. And see, some of them have had lifetimes before as a human 
And so some of them know words that we don't use in everyday language now, but they Mm -hmm. would have used in their lifetimes as a human. Yeah. And so for the audience, I just want to have you describe when you're receiving these messages from animals, it is telepathic. Yes. So telepathic communication is something that we all do automatically as children. Yes. And then something seems to happen and we just stop doing it. But it's Mm -hmm. something we can reactivate again. But telepathic communication is how animals talk to each other. So it's actually a silent language. We can't hear it. We don't know what they're saying Mm -hmm. until we know how to do it. But when you do it, you actually hear their voices in your head. So Mm -hmm. it's not an audible sensation going into your ear. It's in your head, mm-hmm. but telepathic communication can be verbal, and so you hear all different voices, just like humans. It can also be visual, so they can send images. They can send the letters of a word. So if they want to send you the emotion love, they can mm-hmm. send you the letters L-O-V-E and you'll just see those letters appear in your head somehow yes. and they're sending you that. Or they can send you little video snippets to explain something to you and they have the technology to be able to do that. Or they can send you feelings and emotions. So you might feel love and warmth. You might feel fear and dread Mm -hmm. in your body. There's different ways that they can send the emotions. And so telepathic communication that I understand with animals includes all those different forms of getting their messages through. And some of them have preferences for visual or verbal, just like humans have preferences for communication. Mm -hmm. Um, But we certainly practice all those different methods. Uh, in the program just so that the humans know how different animals communicate because once you can communicate with your own domestic animals you can go to zoos you can talk to animals in the wild you can talk to animals in anywhere and it just Mm -hmm. changes the whole dynamic relationship with your animals when they can talk to you and tell you what they want to tell you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you are anchored in these types of energies and you do have animals at home, you can start practicing sending them messages and waiting for them to send you messages back. And that's how you can further develop your gifts with animals. So they understand everything that we say. So I always tell people, just go home and tell your animal that you love them and you're grateful that they're with you. They know that, but hearing you say it and mm-hmm. using high-frequency words like love and grateful, they really respond to. So, And they love once they know that we know they understand everything, mm-hmm. that changes the relationship with them as well. So you don't even have to have a telepathic conversation with them, just mm-hmm. talking verbally with them. They love knowing what's going on in our world. But, yes, certainly once you can reactivate the telepathic communication and they can tell you what they want for dinner, you know, are they going to be happy if you bring home a new partner? What do they think if you want to move home? All of those kind of questions, then you can find out what's happening for them. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Annie, for uh, visiting us again on the Rhonda Grant Show and giving us more information, and especially your travels to Egypt. It's just very, very fascinating to listen to you and all of the things that you've experienced and that's helped you with your journey. So thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. And again, I just love connecting with you because we do have so many similarities and common interests. And it's just, yeah, I just love talking to people who talk a similar language. It's just beautiful. 
I love it too. And it's really hard to let each other go when we can probably talk for a very long time. (laughs) So I appreciate you and thank you so much. Likewise, thank you. Theme song for the Rhonda Grant Show is Sun on the Water, composed and performed by my friend John Park Wheeler. This is Rhonda Grant with the Rhonda Grant Show, author of Magical Forces Within, Extraordinary Discoveries in an Ordinary Life, inviting you to look for the magical forces within yourself today and every day. Thanks for tuning in to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you would like to find out more information about Rhonda and her upcoming guests and the work that she does, go to her website, rondagrantauthor.com. That's rondagrantauthor.com. Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax.